Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am joined by Rob Mayo. Rob and I have known each other for over a decade. And over that time, we have had countless conversations that I have found just tremendously valuable, and I know he has as well. And what I'm excited about today is this is the first time we're having one of those conversations and making it public. So what are we going to talk about? The thing that I want to really understand about Rob is what makes him so driven. It is an aspect of his personality that I not only respect, but I really, really value. How did Rob and I first get to know each other? Well, for the first five years, Rob and I worked together while he was a member of my team at DemandGen. And for the last five years, my team has been part of his while he was in marketing operations at Equinix and now the marketing operations manager at Splunk. So how did our relationship begin? Rob was in his early 20s and he was a senior in college when we first met. And back in that time, we couldn't find people who had a lot of marketing automation or marketing technology or marketing operations expertise. So we had to look for certain types of people to join our team and teach them those skills. Rob was introduced to me by a mutual colleague and it was the first couple conversations that I had with him during the interview process that I knew that this is someone who I wanted to have on our team. And you'll learn more about that in just a minute. So as I said, the theme today is driven. In fact, this entire month for my company, the theme is driven. And why is that? Well, we have five core values at DemandGen. And those core values came about early in the company's history when the management team sat in a room and put up the names of employees that we really, really valued in our organization. And Rob's name was on that whiteboard. When we looked at all of those folks, and we talked about the aspects of their personalities and their soft skills, that surfaced the five core values that we have as a company. And they are caring, collaborative, dependable, invested, and the last one is driven. And Rob's name was right there next to the word driven. So I really want to understand today where that comes from. Let me tell you a little bit more about Rob before I bring him onto the program. Rob is now in his early 30s. He is married, he has a beautiful little baby girl, and he owns two homes. He started at DemandGen, as I said, without having really much experience in marketing technology, and he's now the marketing operations manager at Splunk. So his career has advanced very quickly. He's developed tremendous expertise. When he was part of our team, he was incredibly valued by our employees, and I know that the team at Splunk values him as well. I want to understand how he is so driven, why he is so driven. Maybe he's driven because of the relationship he has with his mom, who is intense and certainly has high expectations for her boys. If you don't hear me talk about his father, it's because Rob lost his father at a very young age, and maybe some of that drive comes from him being the man of the house growing up and needing to prove to his family his capabilities. I don't know, but that's what we're going to explore today. And Rob, thank you for joining me on the program. 
Thank you, Dave. Thanks for that incredible intro. Um, doing my best not to get emotional before we start the podcast. Well, it's okay if you get emotional. I mean, as you can tell, I am so proud of you and so uh, just so impressed with what you have done. And you're just a humble guy trying to do very well in his life. I think there's very similar uh, focus that you and I have, which is, you know, we, we kind of think this life is a theme park and we're only going to get to ride all the rides once, you know, then and then the theme park closes and we want to do as much as we can. Um, I remember times when we've talked and I'll say, hey, so what's going on right now? And you're like, oh, I'm reading the Rockefeller Habits. And, you know, you read all the time. So, Rob, where does that come from? What makes you so driven? It's a good question, Dave, and, and something I think about very often uh, myself because being driven has its its benefits, which I think are usually obvious, um, but it also has its drawbacks, especially as, as life goes on and you have a family and it's you're not just a, one individual person chasing a dream. Um, I think for me, you know, you mentioned the loss of my father. Um, you know, I really never knew him. I was less than a year old. Um, and so there's definitely this innate need to prove myself. Um, still trying to figure out to who I am proving myself. Um, maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe it's the world. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think it was a bit of that, really wanting the world to understand that um, I can do anything. And I think over time, I really have started to believe that I truly can do anything. Uh, and that's where being driven has become fun um, because I, I truly believe that whether it's marketing ops or it's something else, um, real estate or, or really anything, I feel like if it captures my interest, um, I can I can really go after it. You know, specifically when I was young, when I was 12 years old, uh, I specifically remember November 1999, uh, I got my first job bussing tables. Um, you know, no working papers, local place, just cash in my pocket. Uh, and I got the taste of independence. I got the taste of what it was like to be able to buy things for myself without asking my mom, um, to be able to, uh, take care of things at home, et cetera. And I think when I got that taste of work and independence and, and kind of combine that with that need to prove myself, it, it kind of just came together for me. I think it's really interesting that you say, you know, that, that being so driven is, in some ways a blessing, but also a curse. I can, I can totally relate to that. Uh, I think anyone listening to our conversation today, I hope, you know, if you're a marketing leader, you take away some insights about Rob as a profile, and I want to share some of my experiences with him. And if you're, you know, on a marketing team or, you know, not a leader of an organization, and you're listening to some of the things that Rob will share I hope that you take away some ideas about how to advance your career and the recipes there. And for the salespeople listening in on the podcast, I think we'll save this for the end, Rob, but I want to talk about some of the, the LinkedIn messages that you posted about selling to you, because uh, you're very vocal about that. Uh, I, I went to a workshop once, and a guy was speaking at the workshop, and he was saying there's two types of people in the world. There are those that are essentially goal-oriented, and they're constantly setting goals for themselves. And there are those people that are direction-oriented. And he said, you know, the, the people who are goal-oriented, the great thing about them is they set goals for themselves, and they set out to achieve those goals. However, when they do, they have to set a new goal for themselves and to feel a sense of accomplishment. Whereas the other type of persona, which is the direction-oriented people, they're moving in a, in a direction, in a path in life, and they don't necessarily measure themselves 
um, by these monumental goals. And he even went on to talk about how Olympic athletes, when they get gold medal and they walk off the stage, that psychologists can actually see them start to, you know, um, their shoulders sink, their head sinks, and they're immediately in the what next mode. And I see a little bit of not that in you, but I see this guy who's so driven, who's so goal-oriented, um, you know, whether it's been how much money you want to make or how you want to be a leader and manager in a team, you set these goals for yourself. So I think, you know, maybe maybe there's some of that at play, which is there's got to be the next goal and next next achievement. Um, when you when you worked for DemandGen and you and I would have conversations very early on in your career, you know, some people, and there's been some great articles about this, they talk about these personas that are, you know, like you, that, that, that are not shy, that like to speak up in meetings, that are very driven, have strong opinions. And I always really valued just those conversations, just how direct that you were. And you weren't shy to talk about the company's strategy, talk about, you know, where we're going and talk about the team and what we're accomplishing. What gave you, do you think, that level of comfort even very young to be able to to speak up and help direct. I think carrying a lot of responsibility um, early in my life um, was really important for that. I think that I saw I was able to take on responsibility. I was able to handle things, and I really started to develop a belief, like I said earlier, that I really could do anything. And I found that in business, and as I started to work um, after college and, and and work in more corporate and professional roles. Um, I learned that a lot of times it was just about the information. If you were in the room, I always felt like if I was in the room and I had the information at hand, I would be above average at making decisions. Um, and I also didn't fear being wrong um, because I really truly do believe in learning from failure. Like I'm, I'm not scared, right? I, I bought my first house and it was a total knockdown. It was just the cheapest thing I could find. I was super over leveraged, but my my thought was like, I, I won't actually die. Right. And I've right. got probably 60 years to, to make it up if I totally blow it financially. And so I said, all right, I'll go in and I'll, I'll learn a ton. And, and I did. Right. And now I can go rinse and repeat that. So I, I think in those early years, um, I, I do have to say that, you know, I'm very thankful that I had a leader in you that understood um, when I was towing the line and, and understood that, there was probably more good to come from it than bad um, because you have to have the right type of leader to accept that kind of stuff and to, to guide and, and make sure that um, you're not speaking too out of turn. Um, but yeah, I, I think being young, carrying responsibility and then just developing this belief that if I had the information at hand and I was in the room, I could help contribute to making those decisions, even decision, decisions that were seemingly way, way above my pay grade um, I wanted to put my thoughts out there. Um, and I've always wanted to understand why, you know, my mom jokes that um, why was the only thing I said when I was little, right? Um, yeah. I had all the big books on uh, how this works and why this is that way. And, and that's all I, that's all I ever asked. Um, if I may, you know, a quick story. I remember my grandfather, my grandfather is a Korean war vet, kind of stoic guy, full of love, but you know, of a different generation. And, Remember, I was working out in his wood shop one day, and I said, you know, Pop, why do you have screens on the windows? And he said, well, so the bugs won't come in. And I said, well, Pop, you don't have a screen on the door. That's the biggest window in here. 
Um, and you can imagine his response is something, <laughs> something around, uh, you know, get the heck out of here with your opinions, right? But I think that's just been been embedded in me. Um, I, I like to question the world. I really identify with people that um, ask tough questions, weird questions, question things that are status quo, things like that. I love it. I mean, I, as you know, a bunch of folks on the team, uh, I always try to be a very approachable CEO. Uh, I remember early on in my career working in companies and getting in an elevator and the CEO walks in and I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know what to say. I hope he or she doesn't ask me something and, you know, may, maybe I should say something. And, you know, it was just that uncomfortableness. So when I became a CEO, I wanted to make sure people you know, would approach me. And I know that, um, you know, especially for folks like you and others on the team would lead to some conversations that I didn't expect, but I totally value. I mean, I love the fresh perspective, especially someone, you know, coming into the business who hadn't been at the company and saying, you know, why do we do this this way? And what if we did it this way? And shouldn't we do it this way? Uh, it was, it was really great, uh, to get that feedback. Um, you read a lot and you, read books, business books. I don't think you read any fiction books. If you do, let me know. But what what no. has you seeking out information like that regularly? Where, where does that come from? Um, I, I think, you know, it kind of spreads in with the just kind of believing that anything's possible. You know, I have particular things that I like, like engineering, for example. So I like reading about, you know, building the Panama Canal or the Brooklyn Bridge, um, things like that. Uh, you know, I like to look at who has come in the past and, and kind of just set out on a mission and accomplished it. Um, and part of it is the, the interest in how they did it. Um, but really a lot of it is just the confidence building and saying that, Hey, these people had a dream and like most, you know, dreamers, uh, the majority of folks thought they were probably crazy or reaching for the stars. Um, but they, they went ahead and did it. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm always looking for, one proof that you really can go out and, and do whatever you set your mind to. Um, but also, um, you know, on the more business book standpoint and kind of just self-help standpoint, um, really just trying to, trying to understand what's happened in the past and, and how I can learn from those things. You know, I really like frameworks. I like any model that helps me get from point A to B faster you know, I have no problem going from A to B the hard way. I will drag myself through it. But once I've done it, um, and I, it's probably a combination of, you know, kind of chasing shiny objects or whatever it may be, um, I am determined to not slog through it a second time. I want to find a way to do it faster. Um, and so I always look for frameworks, frameworks, not only in business and, and you know, specifically, very specifically in marketing operation and uh, automating things but also frameworks for myself. How can I, um, how can I learn faster? How can I prepare myself to deal with situations I've never seen before? And that sounds counterintuitive, right? Because if you don't know the variables you're going to deal with, then how could you possibly prepare to deal mm -hmm. with it? But the thing is I've learned is you can prepare to just deal with the unknown period um, and, and understand how you yourself react to that emotionally, physically, all of those things. And so, um, I just, I know there's lots of knowledge out there. And, and to your point, I don't read fiction. I probably should. Um, but I kind of save my time for those big, ugly thousand page books. 
So you're fearless and you're driven, which is a powerful combination. I remember when you, you know, talking about the house, right, and, and you tore it down, right? You didn't rush out necessarily and, and hire contractors uh, to do that. You you put a new roof on yourself, and I think it was Kristen who posted in Facebook, yep, there's my husband putting a new roof on on the house that he learned about on YouTube, right? And so you you self-educated yourself and learned what you needed to do to do construction. And um, even before you bought the house, you, if I recall, attended some real estate networking events in the area to get some insights and inspiration and and how-tos on how to uh, get into that, if I recall, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I learned so much from the people on the job. I mean, I'll tell you that the, the day I closed on my first house, it was after dinner time. I drove to the house. I went in with a hammer and I started to peel apart the house. And I literally took door molding off, which makes me laugh now because at the time I didn't know what door molding did. So I didn't know if I pulled this thing off, is the wall going to come down, which seems absurd if you know anything about construction, but I literally peeled it off, you know, very carefully and then kind of stepped back. And that was my first step in just kind of reverse engineering a house and, and understanding how it was built. Um, and then whenever someone was here to work on the job, I, I always realized that specialists, you know, tradesmen always understood a lot about the step before and the step after their step. So I would talk to plumbers about framing and they would give me a heads up that, hey, you probably want a a six inch wet wall in your bathroom. I didn't know what that was, right? But they kind of gave me the heads up. So I hung around, I asked questions. um, You know, I would take care of people when they would help me out. and, And I learned a lot. That's awesome. Well, if you haven't figured it out, Rob, I like dissecting this, and I'm going to say this to you, I've never said, because I'd like to hire a hundred of you, you know, like, I miss you every day working with you, I still feel blessed that we get to have a personal relationship and and talk, and I remember when you were going to Splunk, and I said, uh, you were telling me about the environment there, and that they were looking for a head of marketing operations, and one of the things, as you know, that I did was make sure that you guys talked to Renault and felt that, you know, if Rob's going to have a new manager, I really want him to work with someone who's going to continue to be a mentor to him and teach him even a lot more than I certainly could when you were here. And, you know, what, what I value so much and what I see you contributing so much is that fearless, driven, break it apart, tear it down, get it done attitude. And, you know, you're in marketing operations, a relatively new field, uh, a field that has tons of different technology coming into it every single day, every single week. Um, no necessarily given recipes. You know, they're being developed as we all go through this journey together. Uh, there's not necessarily a lot of business books out there that have written the recipes uh, for what to do, so you figure it out. And so that's what I love so much about you is because that personality that you have, that driven break it down, tear it apart, figure it out, get it done, and ask why uh, is is phenomenal. And to anyone who's never worked or had a Rob Mayo on their team, I hope you find that person. I know a lot of us look for athletes uh, when we're hiring salespeople, and so breaking Rob down to his DNA that, that makes him so driven hopefully is helpful as you're looking for someone like Rob on your team. Uh, let's pivot, if we can, into the world of marketing operations. I do remember the phone call where you said, hey, I like this real estate thing. I think I'm going to do this as my profession and leave marketing technology and go into that. And I said, I don't think you should do that. And I don't know, 
you know, if that was the right answer, I guess time will tell, but, uh, or you can tell me, I just felt like you had way too much to offer and you had way too much expertise that people could value. What do you think about that decision? Because you hit a fork in the road in your, in your career a little bit and you've, you've stuck it out and continued to grow and now leading a team yourself. So what do you think? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I tend to not regret decisions. I, I, I have a good friend that taught me years ago that, you know, you, you make decisions based on all the information you had at hand and to, to look back and, and regret that is just kind of shortchanging yourself. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe it was the right decision. Um, you know, that will never go away. Real estate is one of the oldest businesses in the world. Right. Um, and it is interesting to me and, and I do still pursue it. Right. And I don't, I don't binge watch shows. I kind of binge browse, you know, uh, realtor.com app and LoopNet and things like that. And I'm always looking for the next, um, you know, the next investment for myself because it's, it's very interesting. But um, yeah, it was definitely the right move. I, I think that I've developed an ability to kind of look at the right mentors, right? And so my opinion is that I wouldn't have asked you if I hadn't really uh, valued your opinion. Now, ultimately, I'm always going to do what I want, no matter what. Yes, um, you are. But I, I think you were. I think you had the right perspective at the time, which is which is why I asked for your help here. Well, and I like that you're doing both. I mean, you've you've, and I think that was where we landed. Is why why can't you do both? Especially a guy as driven as as you. What are your thoughts about the industry? I mean, you're you're fortunate that starting so young, you know, now. A, decade into it what do you what do you think about the industry i mean so much change has gone on in this short period of time so many new companies acquisitions mergers um you've used many different marketing automation systems yourself um just what's your perspective yeah so i i think that you know from my perspective i'm really longing for those frameworks right Um, and sometimes i have to remind myself that this industry, this practice is new and that really it's going to be the folks of my working generation, so to say, um, that are going to help define what those frameworks are. Um, and so a lot like I had to come in and reverse engineer my house and there was a lot of pain, um, you know, physical pain when I, you know, swing a hammer and miss, uh, or just, you know, emotional pain of understanding that, um, I messed up and now there's going to be three weeks of no work, right? And, and time is money. I, I think we're going through all of that now. I mean, I can at least say for myself, or, you know, we have a lot of the same conversations over and over and, and there's incremental gains. Um, and I really started to think kind of on that longer arc time frame, you know, meaning, hey, you know, maybe not by the end of the fiscal year will we figure out everything and how to measure marketing down to the dollar and pipe and all that. But we're making really big strides in that direction, right? And I have to step back once in a while and remember that we're having conversations now about how to measure appropriately and how to incentivize teams. Whereas when I started my career, it was more just like, hey, how do I just send an email for this event, right? How do I, um, how do I get digitally smarter? And I think we're seeing a huge broad change here, right, from – um, everyone going through digital revolutions in their companies um, to old stodgy companies just getting disrupted like overnight, seemingly. Um, so in the industry itself, I think, you know, it's going to keep moving forward. I think there's a lot of incentive to keep moving forward. I think the conversation about whether we need to measure marketing is in the books. I think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's any question we go back. And so uh, I really 
think right now it's just about kind of getting our battle wounds and figuring out what that looks like. And, and, you know, hopefully in the next decade, it's more about understanding exactly what we're looking for and now just trying to use the appropriate technology and practices to, to capture whatever that right metric or set of metrics is. Splunk's done amazing, right? The, the growth has been incredible. The, the number of customers that you're adding, the revenue growth, the valuation of the company. How much do you feel that marketing has played a role in that growth? Um, I think a lot. So, um, you know, prior to Splunk having a proper marketing operations and demand generation function, which is really only in the last two years, um, you know, we were heavily on brand and event marketing, right? And so not quite as measurable, and um, but played a huge part. I mean, down to kind of the purest kinds of marketing, right? Who we are, what our message is, and also our fans. So this week actually um, is our Splunk user conference in Orlando. And there's 9,000 people there. Um, two years ago, it was less than half that size. We've got Waz on the day three keynote. Um, so, I mean, the, the momentum has been incredible. Um, I think that marketing has played a huge part in just in, in kind of um, true marketing in the sense of who is our market? What do they need? How do we solve that problem? Um, I think we've done an incredible job with that since the beginning. I mean, the growth has been incredible just in the last three years that I've been here. Talk about the growth of your department. How does it how does it look different? Maybe roles, responsibilities uh, over the last last two years. Yeah. So um, two years ago, marketing ops was I was the only full time person who was doing 100 percent marketing ops. Um, we had two other guys that were kind of doing 50 percent of their role was marketing ops. Uh, and there was no marketing ops team. Um, I was the only person with marketing operations in my title. And I kind of knew coming into Splunk, I said, all right, so when I joined, we were approaching 700 million in revenue, mm -hmm. no marketing ops. I felt like um, we're probably late on that. And so it would come. Uh, and it did. And so in the last year and a half now, uh, marketing ops is 15 people strong. Um, we have three three layers, right? So Renault is our lead. We have four sub teams and then we each all uh, have members of our team. So very new, uh, but now with roles and resources to specialize, um, I just finished rounding out my team. So we just hired someone great last week. Um, she joined last week. And so now I finally feel like, okay, we have a full strength team. Fiscal year is coming. Let's set our chart forward um, and just blaze that trail. Um, so it's very exciting. The growth is incredible. It is. One to 15 people in, in two years. And uh, I know Renault's played a big uh, part of that growth. You, I remember walking down the street, you and I went for Italian food. Rob's Italian, by the way. And uh, in fact, we <laughs> both grew up in the same town, which is just ironic, uh, Port Washington, Long Island. I moved in 1977. You still live on Long Island. And I remember going to one of the Italian icy shops and seeing a picture of you and Ilya on the wall. And it was just, wow. Like, how, does, how did that happen that we're both from the same little town. But we were having uh, Italian food one night in San Francisco and we were walking down the street and you were talking about Renault as a leader. And I think people would really love to hear your perspective on like what makes a great leader? What, what is it that you're looking for in a manager these days and what do you value? Yeah. I, so it's, it's a great question. And, and, you know, I probably, again, to start off, owe you a thanks for even bringing Renault into, into our world. Um, 
But I, I read something interesting recently, or I was listening to Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and, and he talks about the difference between a manager and a leader. And so the analogy is, is this, right? So you've, you've got your producers, um, and they're cutting a path through the forest. So they're up in the front of the group. They've got machetes in hand, and they're, they're cutting down uh, bushes and such. The managers are behind them, right, making sure that the machetes are sharp, uh, making sure that their boots are dry, et cetera. And the leader's up in a tree screaming wrong forest. Um, and I think it's, it's a really good way to think about manager versus leader, right? And many of us have to be both, but they are different roles. Um, and so I, I think for Renault, um, I think, number one, he's got the respect of, of everybody, not just in his team, but across marketing. Um, I think there's a easiness to how he sees the marketing operations and demand generation world um, that really instills a lot of confidence. Um, for me personally, I think the best thing is I always want to have a leader and a manager that kind of gives me enough room to be dangerous, um, gives me enough information so that I feel like I understand the big picture. So I've never been a, a fan of uh, limiting information. Um, you know, I think it just stifles people's growth and in, in their imagination. Um, so I think really just what makes him a great leader is getting the understanding of where does the business want to go? What's truly happening? What's truly important? And then not really telling you how to do it, right? Just clear expectations as to what the results will be. Uh, and then room to maneuver and, and get things done. I mean, that's, that's the best combination I, I can imagine, and that's what I have right now. And we talk about that a lot on our leadership team about setting those expectations, you know, and putting that out there and letting people navigate their way to it. Great input. Uh, let's talk about your LinkedIn posts because uh, <laughs> you know you've you've done our industry's version of viral with with some of them, and when I look at them and I see them go up online, there's you know, I know you so well, like I, I see two things. One, I see a guy who's who's kind of miffed, right? It's like, really, is that how you're going to reach out to me and sell to me on LinkedIn? Really, you got nothing better than that. That's the best game you have. So I see that guy. But I also see a guy who wants to be a little bit helpful too. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? You're, you know, in your spare time, you're a, a big brother. You know, you mentor uh, kids, which is which is great. And I know that part of you that is caring and loving and wants to help others. So who is that guy that just decides that he's going to, on LinkedIn, um, provide some, quote, feedback to a sales rep who's reached out to you in not the best way? Yeah, so it was funny. I mean, so the first post I did was maybe just around two years ago, I think. Um, and it was, my, it was an open letter. It was Dear, dear Sales Reps. And it literally was, I was just annoyed. I was annoyed getting the hundredth email that said, and I still get them to this day, that said, hey, just checking if you got my last email, right? And my thoughts in the moment were just kind of like, yeah, of course I got it. We all probably use Outlook or Gmail. We understand probably there's a hundred percent delivery rate for the most part. Um, yeah, I got your email, right? And so I was, I was just annoyed and, and probably a little bit too emotional that I went to LinkedIn and just vented about it. I thought I'd get a laugh out of a couple of people that we know. Uh, it turns out that I insulted just enough people um, and rallied just enough people that it kind of took off. And I think we had somewhere around half a million views and I had, you know, 
couple hundred comments. Um, and it was really fascinating and I had never dealt with it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of me definitely felt like, Oh, did I just make myself look like a, a know-it-all or a jerk? Right. Um, I didn't want to do that. Um, but part of me was also kind of happy that I, you know, kind of provided that feedback. I, I think as the customer, I, I think sometimes we get so used to ignoring things like that in our inbox, um, or, getting the message on LinkedIn that seems innocent and says, Hey, we're in similar roles and similar markets. We should network. And then a minute later, I get some pitch about your tool that totally doesn't match what I need. Um, we've got no relationship. Um, and, and so I, I wanted to let people know that that's, that's not the best way to reach out. I will say, especially for me. Um, so I understand it's hard to know all your prospects intimately, but for me, I don't make a lot of time for vendors. My process with vendors is I know the path I want to go down. And when I need a tool to help expedite that, I go to market, I find out what's there, evaluate and buy. If you pitch me on a random product on a random day, most likely I'm not going to pay much attention to it. I'm not into going out to lunch uh, with vendors. That's not how I spend my time. Um, So it's really just about, I, I like to be proactive. And so there's some vendors that do a really good job identifying that. Well, I'll reach out and say, hey, it's interesting, but I don't want to talk to you for probably two to three quarters. The ones that email me a week later, I likely won't go back to them. Mm -hmm. And for right or wrong, right, all this is, is about relationships. Because when I need a feature, a new feature in the app, or it goes down, or there's a billing issue, whatever it may be, we have to have a relationship where I trust you. And so if you're constantly violating that right out of the gate, um, even in seemingly small things, it's really hard for me to, to build that trust with you. Um, so yeah, the, the, the LinkedIn posts were, were kind of funny. I did not expect that. Um, one thing I have found too, one lesson I've learned just because we're in marketing, right? And LinkedIn is just filled with marketing content. Yeah. Um, is that I don't really say much. And it seems like when I do, like I said, I, I kind of piss off enough people and, and rally enough people that it gets some attention. But it's, if I posted that every day, I think people would ignore me within a week. Oh, for sure. So a lesson, a lesson to all the content creators out there. Um, we don't necessarily need to hear from you every single day on what you're thinking. So at the, at the risk of flooding now your, your LinkedIn profile or inbox with the right messaging, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give back to everybody who got upset with you that day and ask you the tough question, which is, and may, you know, what, give, give the real answer. How do you sell to a Rob Mayo, right? How it, you, you probably don't answer your phone. You're certainly filtering your inbox. You're looking for a certain type of reach out on LinkedIn or other ways. So how, you know, help the salespeople, your, your brethren. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. How do they reach the Rob Mayos of the world and get your attention? Yeah, of course. And I understand people need to, to sell. I, I think for me, it's um, just don't be afraid that I will say no. Don't make your whole pitch in the first message. Don't tell me how it's going to completely change Splunk's trajectory. And at least understand kind of what we do. Like, I understand we have big data software. And and to some degree, it's complicated, even for those that work at Splunk. Um, But trying to pitch me something that probably has nothing to do with, with our business, or you've never looked at our website, or you've never even looked at my background to understand what I use. Like I get pitches all the time about, um, hey, we've got this great connector for Marketo, right? It states very clearly in my profile that we're an Aliquist shop, right? And so it's just not interesting to me. So I think doing a bit of homework 
um, and reaching out in a genuine way. Because here's the thing, if you become a trusted resource for me, much like you are um, and other people in the industry, then you will be the person I listen to when you come with something. But if it's coming to just make a sale, um, then I will take you as someone just trying to make a sale, not trying to build a relationship. And there's too many people in the world just trying to make a sale for me to invest my time in all of them. Good advice. Sorry, now you're gonna get some. You're gonna get some reach out for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 very. You know, we sales and marketing are all in the mission together, right? And if marketing is doing outbound and inbound marketing and trying to generate leads, it's got to be a way in today's environment, right, for SDRs and sales reps to follow up and engage. And when we've had those conversations, you're like, just be a human being, you know, develop a relationship with me. Uh, you know, social selling is alive and well, but uh, I loved your advice. Love that soundbite of like, don't try to make your whole pitch in the very first reach out, um, which I think is, which is great. Uh, you are now a manager. You're you're leading a team and you're growing that team. Just made another hire. It sounds like uh, you've worked with some good managers. You've you've taken away some some great lessons and great skills, and you've also developed your own. Tell me your perspective now. Like what what do you want to achieve as a manager in terms of how you lead your team and direct your team? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. Um, it's been the biggest challenge of my recent career is becoming a manager. Um, and so my team is based around the world as well. So kind of have a unique, um, set of challenges in the sense that, um, I'm in New York. I have a team member in San Francisco, one in London and one in Hong Kong. Um, so dealing with, um, you know, different teams, uh, different time zones, right. Um, making sure that people feel like they're part of the team, even though they're remote. Um, and I think I, you know, side note, got a lot of good experience with that being at demand gen. Um, but I think the, the thing that I really am trying to achieve with my team is getting them to grow and getting them to accomplish things and feel proud. Right. So for me, I've been an individual contributor for the last nine years. Um, I've had a really good career so far, a lot of success. Um, I've had a lot of the fanfare about stuff that I've built and um, clients that I've helped, et cetera. Um, and what I really want now is to build a team and build an environment where I am no longer the face, but that my team is the face and that they are growing um, and they are achieving things and feeling proud. Um, and I just want to be in the background, helping guide them in the right direction, giving them advice when they need it, making sure that they get recognition from other team members. Um, that's really my goal is to build a highly functioning team, um, a team that seemingly doesn't need me, right? Um, but that just kind of needs me in the background. That's, that's really my goal. Love it. Let me ask you one last question. I think the toughest question that I'm going to ask you, because you used the word goal again, what's the ultimate goal for Rob Mayo? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about goals and to be honest, I'm kind of bad at setting goals. I'm good at putting goals way out in the future um, and then kind of slowly working in their direction. But I'm always scared to put things down on paper because I know I changed my mind. Um, I think if I look at my life and what I want out of it, I think that I want to just have the means to, to follow whatever interests me kind of in the moment. Um, 
I want to have the means to give back to people that have helped me. And I started to do that in, in small ways. But, you know, I, I think I just learned at a young age that while money isn't, money is not everything um, by any means. And I understand that. But in our world, it really gives you the means to have some bit of freedom if you're free internally already, let's say. Um, but I would love to give back. I would love to be in philanthropy. I would love to help my neighbors. I would love to have the time to be there for my daughter and hopefully her future siblings. Um, I want the time. I want to buy my time back. I want to be able to be around. Um, I want to change the world in some way, even if it's just my family's world, my children's world. Um, and I want to do some fun stuff along the way. You know, I, I recently watched the infamous Joe Rogan and Elon Musk interview. Um, not all of it, but most of it. And, you know, I, I, I kind of relate to Elon in a few ways in the sense that he kind of just wants to do stuff that interests him. Yeah. You know, they asked him, why'd you dig a tunnel under LA? And he said, well, I live in LA and the traffic sucks. So <laughs> I want to dig a tunnel. Um, and you know, the United States provides really the ability to, to do for anyone to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that selfishly in a way, I kind of just want to do whatever I want to do, um, you know, within, within the realm of, of good and, and morals and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, so as you can see, you asked me for an ultimate goal. I think I named 20, um, in a classic me move. Oh, so, but there's a theme there and it. you want to, you want to change the world for the better. And I have seen, you know, and, and experienced that, you know, working with you, um, having you part of my team, having my team part of yours, you leave a wake behind you wherever you go of of goodness and success. And um, you've got that gift of being so affable, you know, that that people really like you and like working with you and you just, you care. I mean, you're, you're every one of our core values. It's no wonder that you did so incredibly well here. And I'm not surprised that you continue to do so great in your career. We have to wrap up. I know you and I can continue this conversation anytime, but that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Rob, thanks so much for getting on the program. I know uh, you know, we were talking earlier this week, and you didn't know what to expect, and I, I wouldn't tell you, but um, I'm really glad that we had the chance to have this conversation and uh, share with other people so that you know, if you're growing in your career, hopefully you take some great ideas away from Rob. He surrounds himself with talent. He's very driven. He's very goal-oriented. If you are a leader of a team, uh, you know, hearing Rob's feedback about setting clear expectations and, and, you know, give big goals to your team and let them figure out and find a way and hire people like Rob who are so driven and will break things apart and uh, figure out uh, how to do it. And if you're a sales rep and you're trying to sell to Rob, good luck to you. It's going to be a challenge, but uh, <laughs> there, there's a way to him. Thanks, buddy. Uh, enjoyed, enjoyed the time together. Thanks so much, Dave. You bet. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Really appreciate all of you that have been reaching out to me and saying how much you enjoy the program, love the program, and that you share it with your team. Please keep doing that. Please keep subscribing. I've got some great content coming for you. As you can tell, I continue to feature uh, marketing practitioners, marketing operations. We've got some CMOs coming up. So keep tuning into the program and learn from these uh, great people, talented people, their lessons of success and uh, how they've overcome challenges. That'll do it. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.